0: This is the podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to Health Check. In this fortnightly podcast series on Wednesdays, The Straits Times guides you to healthier living and clears up misconceptions with our guests. I'm Joyce Teo and my co-host is Ernest Lewis. Today we have Ms. Li Ping. She's a senior youth support worker and team leader at CHAT, the Community Health Assessment Team at the Institute of Mental Health. Yiping is here to share with us some of the recent case studies at CHAT and how it's like going to CHAT for help. So hi, Yiping.
1: Hello, Joyce. Thank you for having me on this program.
2: So, Yiping, this episode is also meant to apply to parents and also caregivers. You want to explain to us the differences and how you break those down, the target crowd?
1: The differences in parents and caregivers? Yes,
2: yeah. Uh, What are the kinds of people who should be listening to our episodes and then drawing more from what we have to share?
1: I think definitely for anyone out there who works with a young person aged between 16 to 30 years old, I think it is worthy of their time to listening to this podcast. Mm. So really, this would include parent with teenagers in their family. This might be an employer, might be a supervisor, a co-worker, a teacher perhaps, like an educator, lecturer or a tutor.
2: Okay, because they are involved in the care, right? The taking care of their charges as well.
1: Yes, and I think why educators and lecturers is because a large bulk of our young people spend significant time in schools. So it makes sense for educators to be on the lookout and be aware Mm -hmm. and how to identify students who might need support. Well, to be honest, I think professionals like us sometimes do get stigmatized a lot. And also in our recent mental health study, we found that young people, when they are in distress, they will either go to a friend Hmm. and if a teacher is trustworthy enough, they would also approach a teacher.
2: What's the experience like when we walk in, actually? What's the experience like for someone there?
1: Maybe if I can share some of the case studies about the young persons who who come in.
2: Hmm.
1: A lot of our young persons come on their own and some would bring in a few friends with them Mm -hmm. and will welcome the friends to sit in the sessions so long as the young person agrees to it. A lot of the times when young people come in, they do feel very anxious. And you can tell because they won't have very good eye contact with you. They might be fidgeting a lot. So usually the first five to ten minutes would be spent on really getting them comfortable, sitting them in the room, explaining to them what they can expect of the session, our role, and really highlighting to them that, you know, we are offering drinks and sweets and we also have little toys that they can fidget with as they speak to us. Okay. We'll start off with really acknowledging their courage for coming forth to speak to us mm-hmm. because we recognize we are strangers. Yeah. yeah. And they know that this is about a mental health session. So it's definitely, we're going to be talking about things that are not too pleasant yeah. to be sharing with strangers. But at the
2: same time, you want to make them feel comfortable.
1: Yes. Okay. We want to make them feel like they've made the right choice mm-hmm. and they have been courageous to come forth and to at least talk to someone about their concerns. And then thereafter, I think a lot of the time would really be spent on knowing them as an individual. So what are some of their likes, their hobbies? What do they do in a typical day? And then, you know, what's been something that's been bothering them? For them Mm. to feel concerned enough to want to make a a referral and to walk in like that to see us. Right. And
0: how long is a session usually?
1: Typically, it lasts about 60 minutes to about 90 minutes. Mm, um, Because this is not just about looking out for signs and symptoms. It's also a lot of acknowledging, highlighting the resources that they've utilised so far in keeping themselves safe and well Mm -hmm. up until the session with us. Right. So
0: it's like, For people coming in, do they have to make an appointment and how long do they usually have to wait? They can't just walk in and start talking to somebody, do they?
1: Yes, they can't just walk in and talk to us, primarily because our team is very small Mm -hmm. and we all function right now with scheduled appointments. When young persons are very clear they are okay with a face-to-face session, they can go online to make an appointment or fill up a request form and this is where we'll get in touch with them via phone call first before we arrange for a face-to-face session. I see. And I think it's a seasonal pattern. Right now, we are coming to year end, and I think there's been a lot more requests coming in so far. So the wait time, unfortunately, has been about three to four weeks. And which is why a lot of times we make sure every young person who get in touch with us get a good phone call from us.
0: Right. Yeah. And you also have a web chat, right, for people who want to just talk to you online.
1: Yes, because there is still a group of young people out there who are not very comfortable with face-to-face. Even phone call kind of freaks them out. Mm-hmm. So, web chat really serves as an alternative platform mm-hmm. for them to speak to us through text-based. It's live. So, they do speak to one of our youth support workers online. Mm-hmm. So, Iping,
0: earlier you were talking about the importance of seeking help early, right? Can you highlight a recent case that actually shows this?
1: I have in mind this young person that we saw recently. He has been in distress for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And... I think his friends noted that there was a change in his behaviour and also in the way he expresses his emotions. And so with a lot of encouragement, he managed to put forth a referral for himself and came to see us. I think at the initial phase, he was kind of sceptical about how the session would be helpful for him. But as the session progresses, I think he kind of liked the questions that we were asking because Mm -hmm. it made him reflect quite a fair bit as well. And through the process, he's also able to make some sense about his experiences. And so towards the end, he thought that we were as confused as him about Mm -hmm. his experiences. But when we shared with him on our impression that he might be experiencing signs and symptoms of depression, Mm -hmm. and we explained why we think that way, You can see from the look on his face that, you know, he has that clarity Mm -hmm. there and then. And since then on, he's agreeable that we refer him to the psychiatrist for Mm -hmm. help. He's willing to give that a go. And while waiting for the psychiatrist, he is still in touch with us and has been very active in giving us feedback and updates about his progress. And at the same time, when we are in contact with him, we just want to make sure that his safety is in check. And that he recognises his own strength in living through one day after another while waiting for the psychiatrist's appointment to come through.
0: Right. How old is this person?
1: This is a young working adult that we are looking at. So he's in his mid-twenties. Also,
0: if he would have the problems when he was in his teens then? Yes, you mentioned that's a few right. Years. A few
1: years. Yeah, that's right.
0: right. Did it affect his studies?
1: It didn't quite affect his studies as much. But it does affect the relationship that he has with significant others. So like with his family, with romantic partner. Mm. And I think he has lost contact with a few friends along the way as well.
0: I see. So that's how his friends noticed uh, the change in him.
1: I mean, for those who remain as mm. friends and he's willing to keep in contact, mm-hmm. I think they are noticing that something is not quite right. And he's still willing to be engaged with this few friends.
2: Well now, if you like what you're hearing so far, do subscribe to our series Health Check on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or even on Spotify and like us and give us a rating. Now back to our conversation with Li Ping from CHAT, the Community Health Assessment Team at IMH.
0: So Yiping, earlier you mentioned that a group of the people who come to chat, they have a bipolar disorder, another group have psychosis, right? Can you share with us recent examples of these cases?
1: Um, I think our young people tend to seek help only when they notice some difficulties in terms of getting through life activities. So a lot of times they come in with problems like, I've not been sleeping well, I've not been able to think well, I've not been able to have good relationships with friends. And so how the session usually started is it might look like they are presenting with depressive symptoms, so signs of depression. And really screening them for bipolar or even psychosis takes a lot of initiative from our part in the session. It is not like they will come and kind of say that, oh, you know, my mood has been very high, I've been singing a lot at night, I have a lot of uh, grand ideas to do. Because with the mania phase or the psychotic phase, it may not happen so frequently for them. It's more of the depressive state that they remember more often. And so it really takes a lot of responsibility on our part to make sure that we screen them for those conditions as well. I'll give you an example. I think a recent case was that um, this young person came and shared with us that there's some financial difficulties happening in the family. Mm-hmm. And she describes not being able to sleep because of a lot of worries over financial stuff, worries about her future. She really wanted to settle down with the family. But until she holds a job and money is a problem, she feels very stuck. And she also explained a lot about how she feels very anxious with people. She can no longer see them in the eye Mm -hmm. and being in crowded places just freak her out. So she has been staying a lot at home and not causing any trouble. So people around her don't quite exactly know what's going on. In fact, they felt like she might have a personality change. From someone who's bubbly, outgoing, to suddenly someone who's an introvert, Mm -hmm. right? And as the session continued, we then realized that there have been times when her sleep has not been well. And when we talk about not being able to fall asleep, sometimes it can be a sign of depression. So Mm -hmm. depression makes you worry a lot, and so you can't fall asleep. In her instance, she had days and nights where she worried and she couldn't sleep. But there were also nights when she couldn't sleep because there is this surge of energy within her. Right. And she couldn't understand why It's just that with so much energy She ended up not sleeping And spending the night doing other activities at home right. And when it comes to about her ability to go out It is not so much about I fear people laugh at my appearance Which would be like a typical social anxiety kind of a mm. sign It's more about when people look at me I can't help but feel like they are talking about me mm-hmm. And when they talk to me It feels like they might be getting information and might be plotting something to hurt me and my family? So that is how we uncover that, yes, she does show signs of depression, but we do feel like there may be emerging signs of mania, which may suggest a bipolar presentation and even a psychosis kind of a presentation.
2: So that's when you have to look at proper medical referrals yeah. to follow up from there.
1: Yes, and yeah. I think looking for proper medical referrals is not difficult for us. Yes. What is most challenging is explaining to her how we make sense of her distress. It's definitely not helpful to tell her things like you have depression, you have bipolar disorder, you have psychosis. But really to explain things in a manner that is simple enough for her and to make sense and for her to feel convinced that yes, she needs professional help.
2: What are the qualifications of the counsellors in the YMH chat team, actually?
1: So all of us are allied health professionals within the Institute of Mental Health. Myself and my colleague in the team, like myself, my background is in psychology. Some of my colleagues have backgrounds in social work. So we all need at least a minimum university qualification in either psychology, social work or nursing or any of the social sciences to come. And I think the training really comes when we start the work because we receive a lot of intense training by the psychiatrists in the Institute of Mental Health as well as other seasoned therapists because in chat, I think our work really differs in the sense we only have at most one session with the young person right. and we cannot assume that a young person will come back and see us again. So within an hour, we really have that challenge of doing an in-depth assessment to understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. At the same time, do a good engagement so that they stay the session with us and eventually they are agreeable to seek professional help later on. So everything within an hour, that's a challenge that all of us grapple with. It takes a lot of patience on our part, a lot of exposure, a lot of willingness to accept that maybe we failed in this session and to really learn from that experience and try again with the next young person that we see. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you have a repeat clients?
1: Yes, we have. On the rare occasion when there are too many things going on, we might ask the young person to come back and see us again. For instance, if let's say this young person has a lot of distressing thoughts of hurting himself or herself, mm-hmm. We need to address that there and then and maybe put on hold assessment for other kinds of conditions there. And yet knowing that the young person may not come back, Mm -hmm. so we really want to cover as much as possible. So having said that, we do have some young people who are willing to come back for a second session to see us. Mm -hmm. We've also had young people where one to two years down the road, they got better. Maybe they were discharged from the professional services. And when the distress came back, yeah. they call us again. Oh, that's nice. Mm, it's yeah. very nice. Right. But
0: with mental health, you're saying, I mean, if you actually don't treat it early, right, it can fester and become serious.
1: Yes, that's right.
0: So you had recent cases of that? Like if they haven't done, when you see them, they have more symptoms than before.
1: I think we do have young persons, even after seeing us, we feel like perhaps it's some stresses related to what's happening in the family, or in school, and then we refer them on to other counselling services in the community. Maybe months later, or a year later, the distress, instead of getting better, the distress Mm -hmm. worsened, and then they start experiencing clearer signs of mental health conditions like depression or anxiety disorder. So that's where they either contact us again, and we do a reassessment, Mm -hmm. or the counsellors might have flagged up to our attention, and we'll arrange for another session with them. Right. Thank you, Yiping. Thank you very much for having me on this program. Well, that's a wrap for
0: Health Check. We hope you like this latest healthy living tips.
1: That was an SPH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sph.com.sg. At you can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times and The Business Times online.